It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, where our goal every week is to help you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, and in the studio with me, Kevin Corhorn is back. Alongside him, Josh Gregory. We are happy... Kevin, we're happy to have you back. Yeah, we're it's, all back together. Yeah, it's good to be back. Well, you, you picked a good week to be back. We, uh, we're hitting a topic this week that needs your expertise, your long tenure as a financial advisor. We're talking about planning for retirement income. So how do you step away from a paycheck someday and replace that paycheck with uh, income that you produce from your investments, Social Security, that sort of thing? This topic, I think, perplexes a lot of people who have been in the building, building, building mode for retirement. And now what? Right. Yep. How, how do we transition into actually drawing off of that income? So should be a, a fun topic for us to hit together. As always, we'd love to hear from you, answer your questions, or hear your comments about the show. Go to wisemoneyradio.com, and you can get all the information about the show and check out previous episodes, but you can also submit a question or comment right there on the right, or you can do so by calling 574-222-2000. Before we dive in, so Kevin is back in the studio after taking a few weeks away. He was at a conference, but was also on a mission trip with some folks from his church in Liberia. Kevin, bring us up to speed. How'd it go? Well, Mike, we had a great trip in Liberia. We uh, There were six of us that went. We were there for a week, and we trained pastors at Harvest Bible Chapel for from the eight different churches, and we trained teachers from Harvest Christian Academy. And it was, it was just an amazing trip. We stayed at Elwa, which stands for Eternal Love Winning Africa. So this was a compound, which was basically the epicenter of the Ebola issue <laughs> wow. back in 2014. And we met... Uh, two folks that Nancy Wrightbull and Rich, who both of them had Ebola and were flown back to the States. And were in the wow. news when yeah. all that was going and on. And they're back. They're, they are That's back. Awesome. They they have given their lives to serving God in medical missions in Liberia, the, the third poorest country in the world. And um, and really, the to top it all off, the, the first morning that I was back, my wife woke me up and said, hey, there's a, sw- uh, a swarm of bees in the orchard. And so uh, I called my good buddy Josh, and he came over, and we were able to capture the swarm, and he took them home, and, and uh, he's taking very good care of them. Only got stung one time. There you go. Well, Kevin, we're glad you're back. And Lori went on the mission trip with you as well. That was awesome. And I saw a little video of you getting swallowed up by the ocean uh, twice. Well, was we, it? we did baptisms. <laughs> we we baptized the folks and the ocean baptized us. It was a full moon. So the <laughs> tide was strong. It was a little stronger than we'd prepared for, a little stronger than the uh, the tide in Clear Lake out in Buchanan, where we usually do baptisms. And That was uh, pretty funny to see. Yeah. So awesome. All right. So we're going to kick off today's show. As Josh said, we're talking about retirement income, which is a crucial crucial piece of your overall retirement plan. And we're, we're kicking it off with a great question from Aaron about retirement. And I think it's a common question, just like Josh said, it's a common question as people are planning or approaching retirement. So here's what he said. Aaron from South Bend, I'm turning 64 this year and I'm looking at retiring in the next 12 months. What I'm, cur- what I'm curious about is how to replace my paycheck and draw income in retirement. 
My wife and I are both eligible for Social Security, but neither of us have any pensions or any other source of income when we retire, like most folks, right? We have saved up into our 401ks and each have IRAs and Roth IRAs as well. What suggestions do you guys have on how to draw income in retirement? Uh, it's an interesting question. And, you know, I, I would maybe start by giving a little bit of history here because, you know, I, I've been a financial advisor long enough now to see how this very issue has changed over time. Um, you know, in, in 15 years, when, when I first started, uh, it, the conventional wisdom was that you just build up this big nest egg and get it large enough that you can draw income off of it, right? Right, right. And so you're going to focus on income-producing investments, and that's how you're going to deal with the issue of getting deposits into your checkbook every single month, right? Replace that paycheck. Well, more and more these days, it's not about drawing an income off of your investments. The strategy has shifted a whole lot more to taking distributions out of your investment. Yeah, but is that because interest income is just, you just can't find it? Interest I, rates are so low? I think that's a huge part of it, for sure. Or you know? is it people that are just retiring earlier and they're not saving up as much, and so they need to... I, I don't know that it's that issue as much. I, I really attribute much of it to the interest issue that you brought up. Yeah. Interest rates, everybody knows, are at historical low levels, right? And I mean, it, it it's almost offensive sometimes when you look at how low... Uh, the interest is that you're earning on your bank accounts and things like that. Well, the same is true for things like bond investments. Yeah. It used to be that you would grow your investment portfolio using stock market type investments. And then just before retirement, all will shift into bond investments, which kick off income to you. And I'll just live off that income. Yeah, no, well, so those, anymore. They're, they're not paying like they used to. Yeah. Today, the 10-year treasury note is paying 1.8%. 10 years. And, and 10 years ago, it was paying 4.76%, so more than twice. So you could make the case that either 10 years ago, you either needed half the money to generate the same income, or with the same amount of money, you could generate twice the income. But certainly the the environment has changed. And so I think, you know, as as a leader, a leader's role is to define reality. And one of the realities that people are facing right now is the environment to generate income has changed dramatically. So if you're, th I remember when I started in the business in 1994, people used to talk about double digit interest rates on CDs. Well, that hadn't happened for 10 years. It hadn't, that happened in the eighties, but in the mid nineties, people were still talking about it as if it was still happening. As if it was possible to go get double digit returns on a CD of all things. Well, even now people are saying, as, as I'm talking to folks and we're looking at bank accounts and savings accounts and say, okay, well, you know, what's that savings account paying? And they're saying, oh, probably 1%. And we actually look at a statement and it's 0.01%. Yeah. And people just assume, oh no, it's probably 1%. No. No, it's nothing. It's nothing. And so, which which is why I think Aaron's question here is so appropriate. How do you shift from building this retirement nest egg, like Joshua said, to then starting to draw income off of it at a time when interest rates are so low and nothing's paying income. So how, right. do you, how do you replace your paycheck? Well, it's, it's shifted so many people into the stock market because that's uh, it, well, for the past several years, it's been one of the only places that people can go to get enough growth to feel like their investment nest egg is capable of um, of withstanding distributions that they just need to pull out in, in retirement. And so 
in, in recent years, there's been a shift, a new question that's been pondered in a lot of research and, and articles written about this. What is the safe amount that you can pull out of your investments and not run the risk of running out of money before the end of retirement? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's a lot of variables that go into that, but you want to bring us up to speed on the latest? Well, you know, when when they first started publishing these these articles, the conventional wisdom was that if you pull 4% of your retirement nest egg out in any given year, then that should be a safe, sustainable withdrawal rate. Yeah, they actually it, call that the 4% rule. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the problem is the 4% rule was created back when interest rates were higher than they are today. Exactly. So the 4% rule is being downgraded as we speak, right? right? right. The, the, the latest articles I've seen, I've seen anywhere from 25 to maybe 3.5% is more safe, yeah, if you will. I've, I've seen more 3%. Uh-huh. But, it's, but it's hard as you communicate that to someone who's looking, who's hoping to retire someday, wanting to replace their income, and you tell them it's such a small percentage of your overall nest egg, it's devastating. And no two retirement plans are the same because some folks have just Social Security and the investments that they have. Some folks might have a pension plan. Some folks might have an inheritance. There are all kinds of different factors that go into building a retirement plan. Some folks say, hey, if I'm starting my retirement with a half million dollars, I want to end retirement with a half million dollars. And some folks say, listen, I'll spend every penny I have and send a bill to the undertaker on my way out of here. So <laughs> everyone has a different approach to how they want to do it. Well, but I like the the fact that you're bringing up a plan because Aaron, to start weaving our way over to answering your question, to me, you've got to start with an overall retirement plan. An income plan is just a piece of that, but you've got to test the metal on the overall plan. Does it work? Have you saved up enough? How much do you plan on spending? All of that, does it work? So the first first step is you need a plan. Absolutely. You know, the the factors that we pay attention to when we're trying to, to determine whether or not your plan works, it, it has everything to do with the age that uh, you retire at, how much other income, as Kevin was pointing out, um, and how aggressive you're going to be with your investments. So I know when we come back, we're going to be diving into a lot more of of this issue. How do you decide what is a sustainable plan? That's right. We're going to talk about those retirement factors as well, and then more about the actual income producing tools that maybe you should use in considering your retirement plan. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike, and in the studio with me, Josh is here and Kevin right next to him. Kevin, once again, glad to have you back. We have been talking about planning for income in retirement and how exactly you replace your paycheck when you're done working. This is all stemming from Aaron's question, which was a great question. I think a lot of people uh, find themselves in just this similar quandary about that. So if you have a question or a comment or any other financial issue you'd like our help with, give us a call, 574-222-2000, or you can go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit your question there, and we'll address it on an upcoming show. Yeah, so the the gist of Aaron's question is that basically he's turning 64 this year, 
and he's looking out to retirement. He wants to start planning for how do I begin drawing income out of my retirement nest egg. He gave us kind of a laundry list of the types of assets that he has in place and he has social security, that sort of thing. But uh, his basic question is, how do I plan for income? How do I replace my paycheck in retirement? And Aaron, really, uh, in our belief, you really need to start with a plan. And financial planning is a science. So there are six areas of financial planning. I'd like to just run through them here for you, just so you're aware of what areas need to be addressed. Our preference is always, if you're working with a planner, work with one that's certified. Yeah, certified financial planner. A certified, CFP. yep. If someone has their CFP credentials, it shows they have a certain level of commitment to the profession and they should know how to put together a retirement plan for you that will uh, one of the effects of that retirement plan is that you it will generate an appropriate amount of income. So the, the first area is your present financial position, looking at your cash flow and your net worth. And the next area is protection planning. That's looking at all the risks, risks you face. What risks do you live with? Which ones do you transfer? The next is tax planning. And again, tax planning isn't tax preparation. It's planning. It's when I hit 65, how do I deal with my social security and the taxation of that? Do I have a strategy for when I'm 70 and a half and have to take required minimum distributions from my retirement plan? That's where my mind went to, because one of the tax issues that Aaron is going to be facing is deciding which accounts do you pull out of first? Because he told us, hey, I've got a 401k, I have a traditional IRA, and I have a Roth IRA. And so the, the tax ramifications of which ones you pull from first, um, it's going to have a big impact on the longevity of your retirement plan. So absolutely, taxes are a big issue here. Yeah, your tax plan is going to be instructive as far as how you mix that cocktail and, and what portion is Social Security, what's Roth IRA, what's IRA, or there might be some other investments that are, are not uh, our after-tax investments. So the next area after tax planning is investment planning, and that is how do you structure your investments, and depending on the amount of income that needs to be generated, Aaron, that, that tells us what kind of an investment plan we need to have. You know, this is something that we didn't get into in a lot of detail in the first segment. We didn't talk about all those different types of income-producing investments. I, I I think I had mentioned bonds as kind of the traditional tool that people would use to try to kick off interest. But, um, you know, what about what about using real estate or some of the other types of income producing investments? Do you guys see a place for that at all? Well, it, that is really kind of client dependent. Yeah. Some some folks have an appetite for that. Some folks have an appetite for um, real estate investment type properties and things like that. There's there's a lot that comes with it. It's a pretty simple concept, but actually doing it uh, can make things fairly complicated. Yeah. I, I had a new lady come in just recently and someone had helped her build a whole conglomerate of dividend paying stock. So she had individual stocks of companies that are kicking off their profits and paying them out to her in the form of a dividend. She's just been trying to live off the dividends, but it's it's not enough, unfortunately. Yeah. I want to keep talking about the the income, but Kevin, finish the six areas yeah, here so, real quick. So then. the next area is retirement planning. And Aaron, that's really what you're asking about is what is what should my retirement plan look like? And really we've got 30 years to deal with to get you from where you are to where you want to go. So we want to have a retirement plan that it makes it really clear where are you where do you want to go? And we put some mile markers along the way so that we know when we get there, two years from now, six years from now, are you ahead of where you're supposed to be? Are you behind? And what kind of mid-course corrections do you need to make along the way? So that's the fifth area, which is retirement planning. And lastly, 
is estate planning. So that's a cap of any good financial plan is what's going to happen with your stuff when you're done with it. When you leave this earth, what, where, where are your resources going to go? So Aaron's asked for an income plan. Kevin, what you're saying is, no, you first need to have an overall financial plan. Your yeah. retirement plan is a component of the overall picture. And really an income plan is just a part of the retirement plan. Yeah. So it, it's hard to just ask for the income plan component. You need the whole thing. Yeah, you have to have a context for it, right? Yep, absolutely. And I, if Aaron were to come in and sit down and talk with us, the, really the first question we have, I know his question is about an income plan, but I would say, Aaron, what is it about the next 12 months that makes it so that you need to retire? Right. He said... He wanted, he's hoping to retire in the next 12 months, right? Right. So are those health reasons? Is there, is there something that's going to prevent you and your health from doing your job? Is it job reasons? Are, right. you, are you facing a layoff? Um, are you just dis- dissatisfied uh, with so, what you're doing? So many people mm-hmm. come in and say, oh, I just have to be done because yep. I'm emotionally invested in this date. I've got to leave this place. Or they come in and say, well, I'm going to be 65 and you're supposed to retire when you're 65, right? Right. <laughs> and this is this is where kind of defining a new normal and, and asking some probing questions. I mean, do you have an incentive to leave your job? Are they coming around and saying, hey, we'll, we'll give you a year's worth of salary if you leave? Um, do you need to care for a family? Member, a lot of folks just want to pursue other interests, and I was meeting like with, golf, yeah, like like golf or fishing or traveling, things like that. And I I tell folks, listen, if you're at a point in your career where you've got five year five weeks of vacation, you can live somewhat close to a retirement lifestyle while you're still working, and maybe uh, have the best of both worlds there. Yeah, so, so you're you're really getting at the question of is age sixty five really a hard and fast you know, goal that has to be obtained or are you more flexible on that? Another question that has to be answered when we're trying to figure out an income plan for somebody is what is the amount of spending that you either need to have or maybe sometimes more importantly, what can you sustain over the the life of your retirement? You're absolutely right. I mean, if, if we were to take these in stages, you need an overall financial plan and a retirement plan that says this can work. Step two, you need a budget. How much are you really spending and then that will drive how much income that you need. That's step three is then figuring out, all right, so I've got the overall financial plan. I know how this fits. I've got the retirement plan and I know that this thing works. Now, how much do I need each month and where is that income going to come from? The foundation of that income, where it comes from, the foundation for most retirees is Social Security. Yeah. So, And, and yet... Uh, especially young people, they reject that notion though, don't they? Oh, absolutely. In fact, there's a lot of young people that say, well, I don't even want to plan for social security because I've, I've been brainwashed into believing, Hey, this thing is toast and I'm not going to collect a single dime on this. So why plan for it? Well, the truth is if you literally are planning to get your income from sources other than social security, then it has to be a monster pool of resources that you have, or you have to plan on working part-time in retirement. That's kind of risky, though, because what if your health doesn't allow it? So the, the fact is most people have not or maybe cannot do what it takes to build a retirement nest egg that could replace Social Security and the rest of their needs as well. Yeah, it's a critical piece. For, for folks that are retired right now, the average Social Security that they're drawing is 1300 a month. And that's not that much. So if you're planning on not having Social Security, you need to have a huge pile. Even if you're planning on Social Security, you still need to save up a lot. For two-thirds of the population, the Social Security that they're drawing is half of their overall retirement need. 
So where's the other half going to come from? Yeah, big issue. You know, there, there's one other offshoot type decision that I, I kind of recognized in Aaron's question here. He mentioned that he has a 401k, a Roth IRA, and a traditional IRA. One decision that people always have to make when they get to retirement is what do you do with that 401k? You're leaving the employer behind. Are you going to leave your retirement plan behind as well? Because when you're drawing money out of a 401k in retirement, it can be kind of restricting, especially when it comes to the tax withholdings that they make you pull off the top when you pull dollars out of a 401k. You may have a lot more flexibility rolling those dollars into an IRA instead. Yep. And it, when, you, when it comes time to do your required minimum distributions, if you're working with a professional, it's just it, it can be a lot simpler to take it out of your IRA than dealing with a 401k. All right. Coming up, we're actually going to be taking it down to the practical level then. And what are the steps? How do you start drawing? What's a sustainable rate, as as Josh said? We've got that and more listener questions coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hey guys, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. I am Mike and next to me in the studio, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn, my business partners and fellow financial advisors at Corhorn Financial Group. We're tackling Aaron's question. If you have a question for the show, want to remind you, go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit your question right there on the right or if you're driving, don't get on your cell phone and try and go to that website. Give us a call, 574-222-2000. All right, so let's circle back here and get to the heart of the issue of Aaron's question. He's 64, wants to retire in the next 12 months, says, I need an income plan, where do I start? So far, what we've said is you need an overall financial plan. As a part of that, you need a retirement plan to make sure that you can retire in the next 12 months. And then embedded in there, how, how much do you need each month and where's that income gonna come from? The foundation of where that income comes from is social security. And so you really need to map out, is it best to take social security right at 65? Or our preference would be, can you afford to wait until 66 or 67? For most folks, social security equals about 50% of what you're going to need. My recommendation would be somehow with your other investments that you would structure another 30% at least to come from fixed or guaranteed sources. Like so in, the, the types of tools that you'd be talking about there, I'm assuming, anytime I hear the word guaranteed, I'm assuming the word annuity is gonna come after it. But right? an income annuity, okay? Annuities have a really bad reputation because they're kind of poor investment vehicles and they've been used for investments a lot, but here they can be very important for providing guaranteed income. And I'd like to see between that guaranteed income and your social security together, I'd like to see that equal 80% of what you actually need. So if you need five grand a month and between social security and some guaranteed income from a pension that gets you to four grand, the rest, the remaining thousand that you need should come from other lower risk investments that you're pulling out. Hopefully some short-term bonds or something like that, some mutual funds that you're pulling out of to supplement 
And by pulling out, I mean, you're talking about like a monthly distribution yeah. effectively. And yeah. that part actually confuses a lot of people or they're just, they don't know how the mechanics work. Yep. But you literally in a, in a mutual fund account or some sort of brokerage account, you can set up an automatic distribution out of that account where it, it's like magic. It just shows up in your bank account, just like your paycheck uh, has over the years. So yep. you, the, the key though is not drawing more than you can afford for the long haul. That's and that's exactly. why we keep on hammering, going back to, you have to have an income plan in place that's part of an overall retirement plan. And lastly, I'd, I'd just remind you of two, or, or tell you, two kind of hangups for folks. And one is not accounting for inflation. You need to one. have a, you need to factor inflation in, in your income plan. And then what goes along with that then is you can't abandon stocks either. Especially right now, everything seems so risky in the stock market. Stocks are what really combat inflation over the long term. So those, those two warnings kind of go hand in hand. That's right. You know, the, the question all came from Aaron here, who's in his mid-60s. Aaron could live 20, 30 years in retirement. We don't know anything about his health or family longevity or anything like that. But retirement could be measured in decades, not years. Yep. And so you have to have some sort of growth potential to help you stay out ahead of those rising living costs. I know that Aaron's not the only one out there who's got this question and considering this. Building an income plan in retirement, I mean, it's crucial to have clarity and confidence for your overall finances. So this will not be the last time we're talking about it on the show. Hopefully that's helped Aaron and everyone in similar situation. We're gonna transition now to Joan's question. Joan is from Mishawaka, she's 47. My husband and I are thinking about building a new house. And while we know it's going to be expensive, more expensive, we believe we can afford it. My question is, does it make sense to cash in some of our investments to pay for some of the house in order to keep our mortgage payment low? Kevin, why don't you kick this off? I know you were dealing with a client this week who had a very similar question. Uh, they were already in retirement. They were working on some inheritance and, and so on. But, but uh, you know, kick, kick us off here. Okay, Joan, I would do everything that you can to avoid the ready, fire, aim program. And <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I've, I've seen that a time or two where people come in and say, hey, I've made all these decisions and I want you to... Uh, tell some, me my plan works. Yeah, tell me my plan works <laughs> or put some sort of blessing on the plan that I've already created. And so any kind of creativity is somewhat limited at that point. I, I think that my question to you, Joan, would be what, what goals are you willing to sacrifice? So if I were looking at your financial goals, it sounds like the dream house is one of them. Uh, I'm assuming your retirement plan, if you have any kids, educating them might be something that you're looking at. So what are you willing to sacrifice in order to make this dream a reality? Yeah, you may need to go back to the original intent for these investments, right? right. I mean, yes. you started saving these dollars and investing them for the future for some specific need, hopefully. Maybe you were just trying to grow wealth for the future and, and you never actually assigned a name or a value of some kind to it. But uh, I, I agree with you, Kevin. One of the first questions is what, what are you essentially uh, robbing from? What goal are you robbing from in order to put more money towards this house? Yeah, you got to look at your overall priorities for your goals and where you stand with those. I mean, she's 47. And so I would imagine, you know, kids are near college if she's got kids uh, or maybe on their way out. And maybe she's in these, 
you know, we've talked in the past about the crucial stage of being an empty nester and how that's the last big push, but very important push to get ready for retirement and l- jumping into a bigger house with a bigger mortgage and all of that. Restarting that 30-year clock on a 30-year mortgage, yeah, that could be pretty risky. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that would be one of the challenges I would uh, issue to Joan is, can you still get this house paid off before retirement? I love that idea. You Absolutely. know, there's, there's a good chance that maybe what you're pulling out of as far as these investments, they could have been to help boost your retirement. So by, by pulling dollars out of your retirement, it could weaken your retirement a bit to save you cash flow today. What are you going to do with that freed up cash flow? Mm-hmm. Is, is the name of the game, hey, I just want to be able to enjoy more lifestyle, I'll be able to spend more on fun things by having a smaller mortgage payment? Or, um, you know, is it really just an intent to, well, smaller mortgage payment means I'll be able to handle bigger tuition bills when when those roll around here in a couple of years. I even wonder if it just means, well, we can get our mortgage similar to what it's been before, so now we can afford it, right? She, she says, I believe we can afford it. And maybe this is one way that, gosh, if we don't put money down, that mortgage is going to be so high, we will be stretched too thin. That it won't fit in the budget anymore? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think one of the things that I would do is, Joan, I would work with your husband to determine what is your process for making decisions, because there are going to be a whole bunch of decisions that you're going to need to make, and you want to try and do it without emotion. Oh, which is almost impossible, especially when you're talking about a house, right? Such an emotional decision. It, it is, but I've seen the, the situation where folks downsize and end up with a higher house payment and, and owe more money at the end of it than they ever thought because they say, well, you know, this is, we, we, we need this and we should have this. And as long as the guys are in there, let's have them finish the basement. It's only another 90 grand. And before <laughs> you know it, it, it's, uh, it, things are out of control. You know, there's one other warning I guess I would throw out there for uh, Joan. Um, the the issue is tax planning. Yeah, I was thinking that too. You know, if you start cashing in investments, do you know ahead of time what the tax ramifications are going to be? You could be selling investments at a profit or a gain that create additional income on your tax return. If you're on the eve of um, college years, that could affect maybe some financial aid picture, that sort of thing. If you're thinking about pulling dollars out of tax-sheltered accounts, there could be, uh, again, tax ramifications or penalties or both. What if your income gets so high you don't qualify for some of the tax credits, the affordable, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, American Opportunity Credit or some of those other things? Yeah, you got to certainly be aware of some of those consequences. Exactly. For your yep. child tax credit. Yep. So I, I, would, I would encourage, Joan, if you can, to think about moving twice. So sell your home and rent for a year or two while your next house is getting built. By doing that, you'll know exactly what you have to work with as far as an equity position coming out of the home that you're currently in, and you'll know exactly what you're able to spend on the new house and how much you'll need to take out of the investments. Then you can work closely with your planner to say, hey, if we take this much out of the investments for the new house, how does this affect our plan? I think you're probably spot on there, but I would actually just say a word of caution though, and 
I'd just say, yeah, I wouldn't want you to. You know, I, I you, you need to look at your overall financial picture and your overall financial plan, but I would hope that you could make this move without having to cash in investments because I just assume, like Josh said, there's some other purpose for those dollars originally, and you may need them for some other goal. So uh, great question, Joan. I think a lot of folks are looking at that and looking at the housing market thinking, gosh, I might want to make a move. So I'm sure there's other folks considering that too. So we've got more questions coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike Bernard, and Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory are joining me in the MNC studios. If you're just joining us, we've talked about kind of retirement in two different ways. We talked about building an income plan. That was Aaron's question. And then we just wrapped up a question from Joan about cashing in some investments to actually upsize her house, build, build a new house and use some of that. If you missed anything, don't forget to go to Wise Money Radio to submit questions, but also listen to previous episodes. You can also listen to the podcast there on iTunes, Google Play, and all that fun stuff. Uh, if you have a question for the show, you can go to wisemoneyradio.com as well, or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Speaking of if you missed anything, the last two weeks, we've had a special guest on the show, Diane Bennett, and I thought she did a great job. I look forward to having her on the show again. But you know, going back to Joan's question about building a new house, selling her house, you know, we, Diane shared a lot of things about the current state of the real estate market and as well as her process. So I would give a healthy testimony and endorsement to give Diane Bennett a call. You know, the housing market, as she said, and as we've, we're all kind of seeing, is really heating up. And I think especially with Joan's question, you're going to want someone, an experienced professional to help navigate that with you. So, all right, we're on to Jake's question. Jake from South Bend. What's the best way that you guys recommend getting out of credit card debt and how you stay out of credit card debt in the future? That That's an important addition right there, the how do you stay out <laughs> he, of debt. He put it in there. That's, that's I, good. I, golf clap to you, Jake, because it's not just about wiping out debt. It's keeping the debt out of your life. And unfortunately, not enough people truly believe that you can live debt free. Some might believe that they can work their way out of debt, but are they going to stay out is the big question. The, the issue of getting out of debt, though, there's some left brain and right brain stuff going on here. The left brain mathematical approach is, first of all, you've, you've got to build a budget, right? Absolutely. You have to figure out how much margin do you have in your monthly cash flow to be able to direct at the principle of your debt. You got to go find that margin and unfortunately the only way to do it is to put paper to paper and pencil together and and work out the details of where you're going to find dollars to to direct here. The specific mechanism or the strategy that we recommend though is a debt snowball. Yep. And this strategy's been around for years and years but basically you have to decide in your mind first and foremost that you're not going to have new debt. That's the first decision. Amen. But then decide that you're going to make only minimum payments on all of your debt except for one. You're going to focus all of that freed up cash flow on one one debt balance at a time. 
And um, the way that you decide there, there's two options. You can either pick the smallest balance and go after it first, or you can go after the highest interest rate first. I prefer the smallest balance. And obviously every situation is a little bit different, but I prefer the smallest balance because it starts getting that snowball actually happening sooner. And you get some emotional victories, gives you some confidence to continue going. Because choosing, if if you're in the situation, choosing to pay the minimum amount on all your debt sometimes is emotionally difficult to handle because you're feeling under the weight of this, that this weight is on you. And what I've seen from most people is, well, you know, I'm paying an extra 50 here and an extra 100 here and an extra 25. So I'm I'm doing good. That's funny to hear you say that because that is exactly what I see as well. And that's why I wanted to make the point that you have to commit yourself to make just minimum payments on everything because the, the point that you just made that you have to get to a win emotional. Yeah. You've got to get to a win, a, a balance wiped out as quickly as possible so that you can keep the snowball going, get some momentum. But mathematically, paying on the highest interest rate, that will get you to the end faster because you're going to burn through all the high interest rate stuff first. The problem here is getting out of debt is not just a math problem. It's a behavioral commitment and a strategy. And paying on the smallest balance first helps with the behavioral aspect. It keeps you motivated. It keeps you going longer, right? Yeah. And that's why the emotional side of it, you have to have written goals. You have to write down, this is what I want to accomplish. Your debt snowball, you can look, you can use an Excel spreadsheet or there are other things online that you can get and see exactly when all your debt should be gone. And you have to think about what you love and what you hate. And, And getting rid of debt, especially credit card debt, means that you love freedom and you hate bondage. You hate being in chains. You hate being enslaved to the debt because that's what debt does and debt keeps you down. And so I, w- I would put in my mind, hey, you know, paying interest on credit cards is for chumps. That is not who I am. That is not what I do. You need to get a t-shirt. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I might make you one. There you go. Credit Birthday cards. present. Yeah. I'm, I said chumps, not chimps. We're, they, we're <laughs> dealing with the whole gorilla issue. <laughs> Um, so, so, um, but yeah, I, I think it's really important, Jake, that you get your mind right on this. Cause if your mind is right, you have a chance at getting your behavior right. Your, your behavior is going to come out of your thinking. And so if you follow the simple steps that Joshua has outlined here, you're, you're on a path to success. But we, we've only addressed half of the path though. And that's getting out of debt. Kevin started taking us to, well, how do you avoid it? in the future, and that is getting your mind right. Because culturally, we're all set up, kind of baited to, yeah, credit cards, that's normal. But really, to live free and, and you know, pursue freedom at all costs, to live free, you avoid credit cards in, in, in total. So the path to get there is, number one, a f- fix whatever issue caused you to get into credit card debt to begin with. And second, is build a budget and have a three bank account system, something we've talked about on the show before. That's right. The three bank account system in a nutshell, the, the middle bucket, bucket number two that we always refer to as the delayed spending account is really just a, a place to stockpile cash for the expenses that you know are coming up out on the horizon. These are big ticket items quite often because they're, it's things that you spend money on infrequently, maybe car repairs or home improvements, Christmas presents, that kind of thing. Vacation. All the types of things that don't naturally squeeze their way into a monthly budget and fit, 
And so often the result of these expenses when you don't plan ahead is debt. Yeah. You yep. go into debt to buy the next car or to take that vacation or something like that. And it is all avoidable if you can plan ahead. And if you can plan ahead, you can save ahead. Yeah, the, the three bank account system, just to recap that, that's your checking account or what, or, or what have you, where your income goes direct deposit into, and then your normal monthly expenses all come out of that. And that's all driven with clarity by having a budget. Bank account number two is that delayed spending that Joshua mentioned, where you're making a list proactively of, yep, we want to spend X amount on Christmas, X amount on vacations. I know that our deductible for our insurance is X, so we need to have that set aside. Real estate taxes. Real estate taxes and life insurance premiums, all that sort of stuff. Anything that you can forecast ahead, you tally that up and you start setting money aside so then when those things come up, you're ready. And then that third bank account is your emergency fund. And it's funny how much feels like an emergency when you haven't been proactive and done the right stuff with bucket number two. Because all of a sudden getting new tires on your car feels like an emergency, when I'm pretty sure we can all guesstimate. You That's know, right. Every 50,000 miles, right, you, you will need new tires. If you have a car, it's 100 bucks a month. It, yeah. it, you need to be setting aside 100 bucks a month because that's what it's going to cost to keep your car on the road. But I tell you, that three bank accounts, if you're working that system and you're being proactive, which I've mentioned several times is one of the core principles of financial success, if you're being proactive and working that, you'll get out of credit card debt and you'll stay out of credit card debt for good. And you won't have as many emergencies in your life. That's right. right? Because you're planning ahead for so many more things. Yeah. And it's harder to buy things when you're when you're using cash or using money that you've saved up, it's easy to buy things using someone else's money. Well, and if you don't believe that, just look at the government. They don't, they, <laughs> they've spent $20 trillion that wasn't theirs. So do you mean it's easier, or excuse me, it's harder to use cash because you have to actually, you know, you emotionally, there's an, yeah. you have an emotional connection. This is, this, this is your little baby. This is, you saved this, you've done this. D try doing that with a car, yeah. make, make a car payment, in, in bucket number two for five years and then go try buying a car. It it almost physically hurts. Well, it, but that that is some advice though that I wish we could, you know, just force upon every listener today. This issue of how do you get out of credit card debt and stay out of credit card debt, hopefully we can convert a lot of people in that belief, but it's harder to convert people to believing that you can buy a car without debt. Yep. and that you can plan ahead for this. You can live your life without a car loan for sure. That's right. And we're here to help you. If you missed anything on the show or you want to check out more information on the show or listen to previous episodes, check out the podcast on iTunes or go to wisemoneyradio.com. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and everyone else at KFG, have a great weekend, guys. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.